On this week's episode of The Rag Podcast, I was joined by Ed Steer. Ed is the founder and managing director of Sphere Digital Recruitment, a recruitment business headquartered in London that up until a month ago had 65 staff and clients all over the world. Ed talked us through the journey of starting the business back in 2012 and the consistent growth story that he'd enjoyed throughout his whole time um, up until a month ago. So we covered everything pre-corona and we also talked about life uh, in the coronavirus and how they've adapted. I've, I've taken a break from the, the traditional RAG podcast for the RAG report as I felt it was really important to just attack what was going on right now. However, now I think it's also important once a week to bring back some of the stories of growth and find out how some of these amazing business owners have, have built great businesses and then how they've reacted to uh, coronavirus as well and how they still plan to grow their businesses post-pandemic. Um, so we covered everything from the start, uh, how they launched the business, challenges, growth plans, and uh, what's been going on recently. Ed is a super, super nice and genuine guy. Literally, uh, I don't think there's anyone who wouldn't enjoy listening to Ed and, and dealing with Ed. So I'm excited for you to listen to this episode. And uh, I'm hoping it gives you a little glimmer of hope and light that, you know, we're going to get through this. And uh, there are growth plans to be had amongst the madness. So without further ado, Ed, welcome to the RAG podcast. Thank you, Sean. Thanks for having me. I know. It's, uh, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to have you on because I think I've, I've been trying to get you for about a year. And uh, you've been, uh, I think you came back to me after about three months on LinkedIn. I was like, sorry, mate, I'd missed this. Yeah, well up for it. Do you know what? It's really weird, but I'm very rarely on LinkedIn. Yeah. A recruiter <laughs> yeah, that doesn't I, I, use LinkedIn. I know, I know, I know, I know. Um, the, one of the good things about the corona situation is I'm relearning tools again. So I'm back on LinkedIn. I remember how to use the database that I set up. Yeah, um, yeah. And things like Teams. So yeah, it's been, it's been brilliant for relearning and actually reconnecting and having, having the time to do this i think i've been sphere's been an amazing journey and a very and a very a very full-on one and I'm, I'm really people first so i spend all of my time in the business working on the business and focusing on the people in it so at the beginning i was very externally facing but over the last three or four years i really have been very 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 you know in yeah. working on the business but, but but in it and with the people well look i want to find out all about it obviously this is the first episode of the rag podcast not the rag report where i'm recording virtually from um, from home and i'm gonna I'm North still London for you. Is uh, that right, east, Sean? so I'm at east the end, end of the central line. Yeah, so I'm, but this is going to be a, a special episode every week where we still talk about growth and we go. I don't want to just talk about Corona every day because I think you know what it's fucking depressing as well. Um, <laughs> it really is, and there's you, other things yeah, to talk about. You can put a nice spin on it, and and I'm yeah. trying to I'm trying to be positive for everyone, but at the same time, I still sometimes want to go. Do you know what? What was life like before this shit happened? And then how are we going to come back from this? So, um, so look, talk to me about your uh, your your agency. Give us an overview for the listeners of who you are and what you um to who you are and what you do. Just give an overview for everyone. Okay, sure. So I'll, I'll try and give the short version, which sometimes I'm not brilliant at, but I'm going to give it my best shot. So we are we are Sphere. Uh, we're a, a recruitment company that recruit for roles across um, different organisations. Uh, they're either technology vendors, ad tech, martech, fintech, any kind of SaaS platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, we recruit a lot for what we call brands. That could be FMCG businesses, retail, travel, not at the moment. Um and uh, gaming, any, any company which has got a very transactional website, um, and then consultancies and the big the big media agencies. And into those businesses, we place people across uh, technology sales, customer success, and then anything kind of data-driven and marketing-driven um, and, and analytics. So it's super niche, and we can give 
customers amazing service by filling lots of different niche roles, but in the same organization. Um, revenue wise, um, about 80% perm, although contracts are really growing. That's been a, something which has been key over the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, and also a very important part of the business over the last few years has been our global rollout. So last year, um, we did about 20% of our revenue, uh, slightly more than 20% of our revenue globally. And global for us is predominantly the US um, and then predominantly Europe. And in Europe and the US, mainly Germany and New York. Um, so yeah, so it's sort of a, a brief overview. And we have a, a Manchester office too. All right, well, let's get into that. So when when did you first, I know obviously you recruit recruited before. Yeah. Um, where were you working just before you started? So straight straight out of uni into Aspire, right. um, who okay. used to be PFJ, and they had a brand called the Graduate Recruitment Company or right. the GRC. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was straight out of uni and it, it, and into the GRC. It, interestingly, I, I rang the GRC as a grad, and I'd seen media sales online, and I'd done a media degree, and I really wanted to work in sales. I'd had quite a lot of sales experience yeah. um, pre pre uni and throughout uni, and I rang the GRC and said, I'm, I'm a grad looking to work in media sales. And four days later, I was sitting there doing recruitment, and the mm-hmm. lady who answered the phone, a lady called Nicola Bourne who's become a very good friend of mine now works at sphere um as does my as does my business partner so yeah wow. I had an amazing seven years with aspire it's a brilliant company and um, i learned a lot and i started out placing grads into a state agency believe really? it or not um not media sales no 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 not media sales there's there was a team that did anything but media wow. and i and i placed grads into anything but media and in my first 10 months i was um the third highest biller in the company um, from a standing start and then top, top biller in the second year and started taking on the management of a team. And then when the recession came in 2008, um, they let a lot of their middle managers go and I ended up running everything that was random um, and it was good fun and I did a really good, I think I did a good job and the team the team were brilliant. We really pulled together. Yeah. Um, but I knew that it wasn't scalable and by that point I really wanted to set up a company. So I, I moved internally um, to take over the digital team um, and then I spent two and a half years growing that from kind of four to 15 people, really ramped revenue and what I'd learned at that point was just how much I enjoyed working with people and building teams and I just had a brilliant sort of two and a half years building building that part of their business before before um, Sphere launched so, in October so, 2012. Right, yeah, so wow, that is literally, um, that is the the month after I started in London, so I I joined I joined Venquist in September 2012. Yeah, I remember that. So what were you doing before then? So I was at Randstad in Melbourne for just oh, under, nice. just under two years. I was a school teacher that went travelling, got into recruitment in Melbourne like yeah. loads of people do, and then I got sick of being. I didn't want to be an Aussie effectively. I was just like I loved I loved the place, <laughs> but you get to that point after nearly two years, and you're like, I'm either going to commit to being here, get like the permanent residency, or I'm going to go home. And London yeah. for me was like I'd only ever been like twice, so I was like I'm I'm super excited by that. But yeah. yeah, so that was the Olympics year, wasn't it? We had uh, summer was hot and it was cool. And I was on gardening leave. It was yeah. bloody brilliant. Oh, amazing. Great time. I remember it. So when did you, obviously you and Niall set the business up. When did you know you were going to set it up? How long before did you start planning uh, so it? The, the, the whole story is um, at Aspire, I also met a girl called Carrie, who's now my wife. Right. Um, and her dad had built and sold a recruitment company called Harrison Willis, which was sold. Okay. Um, he was the main shareholder and it was um, sold to Graham Palfrey Smith and some other people. Okay, yeah. And after he sold that business, um, it's now Hudson, um, it, it, um, he bought a zoo, so like an actual zoo and theme park. Um, and then I met Carrie, my wife, as an ambitious 24-year-old and then her dad was in recruitment. Her mum had set up a recruitment company as well um, in Bromley called oh, Job Finders. Right in the family, um, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so it's really weird. And then um, so I met him at 24 and said, I'm going to I'm gonna set up a company. And he said, what's your plan? And I sort of said, I don't really have one. And he said, well, that, that sounds like a bad idea, Ed. Um, so I was unbelievably lucky that I met him because I had four years pre-Sphere um, 
Paul Farrell would be very, um, you know, I'd been planning it for a long time whilst working at Aspire, essentially. Um, so I met Lawrence and he just really helped me. We met the banks, we got the banks on board. Um, we just had a great, great, great plan in place. And what Lawrence said to me actually was just relax. He's like, you're really young, get experience, save money, um, learn how to run teams, like just, just relax, you don't need to do this tomorrow. So mm-hmm. I've been thinking about it for four years before we launched. And that was amazing because we launched with so much planning and structure behind us, you know, uh, career development plans, had job specs for HR directors, finance directors. We, we were, oh, and, wow. and I obviously convinced Nile that quitting his job was a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, I, I know, we'd, we just really, we were, we were built to scale and, and I'd had such a good experience with my team at the Spire. Um, so the first few years was just the recreation of that. And uh, yeah, but meeting Lawrence um, was game changing and actually having a non-exec in the business who's been there and done it. And is, he still, uh, is he still non-exec? Oh. Yeah, still non-exec director. Yeah, and he's, he's amazing. Um, I speak to him a lot less. I can go from boardroom to from board meeting to board meeting without speaking to him. Yeah. Obviously, he's my father-in-law and yeah. um, I see him as my father-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> Try not to speak about work. Um but yeah, it's just the key moments. Uh, things I'd look back on would be, I don't know, when we were a year old and there was nine of us, he said, you've got to get your own office now and take space for 30 people. And I remember shitting myself and walking around the park by my house thinking, this is insane. Um, but we did do that. And then for the next, uh, at, we had space to grow into. And then in that building, six months in, the floor below became available. And Lawrence came in for the board meeting. He said, downstairs is available. And I was like, there's 16 of us. We don't need two floors. And he's like, you've got to go for it. You'll regret it if you don't. So let's so go Let's go back. Let's go back because there's go a ahead. lot there. And do you know what? I can empathise with the father-in-law story because I... My wife's Turkish. Her dad is a is an entrepreneur, and he came over. Yeah. He came to the UK in 1987, I think, without speaking a word, having had a big textile manufacturing business over there that yeah. had fallen apart, and then he built it back up. So you know the Boohoo Kamani family that are famous. He yeah. sh- he shared an off uh, a warehouse in North London with them, and they were like bringing clothes from I think Pakistan. He was bringing clothes from Turkey. Anyway, he yeah. grew it to like 20 million turnover and he's got properties all over and he's and when I met him I was I had a similar sort of feeling but we can't speak to each other very well. So <laughs> my Turkish is crap. His his, his English learning? Yeah, I've been learning since 5 years but and I'm I'm better than your average man but I'm still not you can't have a it's good you can't have a detailed convo without someone in the middle. Um, yeah. and I went to stay with him in Turkey after we got married in the summer and do you know what we both had a few beers and we kind of we had one connecting chat where he, he got as much English out as he could and I got as much Turkish out. And I was like, do you know what? If we could just speak, it would be like, you'd be the perfect <laughs> yeah. mentor. Um, so, yeah, I'm a bit envious of you there. Um, but so let's go back. One of the things I'm always interested in is how you come up with the name Sphere. Like, where did that come from? Uh, that was the hardest part of the whole company. Yeah, um, yeah. We we were trying, Nile and I, um, Nile was, so I'd quit my job as far as on the three month notice period. Nile was still working. We were meeting up in Farringdon for beers to talk about things and we'd planned everything and then we got into the name and every interesting name for a recruitment company has been taken by a recruitment company or another services business. Really? And then we just had our names on a page and Nile found a word thesaurus and one of the words on it was set with knowledge and went, it came up with sphere and he just went look it's it's steer and feeling let's just go with that so we were initially yeah. listed when we registered the company we were sphere but spelled s p h e e r so s for steer p h yeah. for feel but then we looked at sphere s p h e e r and um and it just looked weird uh, so we just said let's just use the normal word sphere um, did you add, have to add something as- to it like to make it the url or whatever uh, we uh, we just changed the name and then the reason we were called Digital Recruitment is I really like simplicity and I looked on so many recruitment companies' websites and I looked on so many other companies' websites and some of them didn't say what the business did and I thought, I just want to say what we do. Um, 
so that's why we were digital recruitment. And then the final thing was just from a search point of view, um, I had a you know, decent understanding of SEO and having digital and recruitment in our name and in our website address, in our URL, meant that we ranked really quickly sort of beyond our age. We also used London in our URL because most people search for, you know, Digital Jobs London. So we wanted to say, well, Sphere was a mashup of Steer and Feel and I didn't actually love the word at the time, but it's become something I do love. Yeah, but, yeah. And, um, and then, um, yeah, and then the digital recruitment bit was just, just, just say what we do and decent for SEO. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Have you got it tattooed on your wrist though, Ed? Like me, I've got Hoxo. No, because no. I'm a wimp. You're not a real. I could get, I could get a transfer. You're not a real business owner until <laughs> you, till you go to Thailand and you you wait for your get wife, drunk. you wait for your wife for two hours and you think, fuck it, how much is that? And they say twenty quid and you just get it done. <laughs> and how much did it hurt? It looks like I've been, I'm permanently just walking out of a nightclub. Going, Can you give me five minutes, mate? I just need to get some money out. Um, but yeah, I like it. it. Didn't hurt that bad. It's pretty good. Um, so go, let's go back to the, the ground level of the first yeah. few days. So 2012 October. Yeah. I think you just said six months in there were 16 people or something. So how... uh, that was eight, 18 months in. Yeah. All right, 18 months. So so what was the? Was it just you and Niall on day one? Me and Niall in the basement. We yeah. um, in Fitzrovia, and we had to. I had to face a wall because we were both really loud on the phone. So we had one desk and we were looking at each other, but it was a shouting match. So I I faced a wall for three months. Um, and it was amazing. Thinking about doing it was so taxing. I think because I've been thinking about it for four years, you know, you get all the anxiety and the, the apprehension that comes to that. But day one, it was really simple. I had a list of clients who weren't restricted, but with people who I knew in them. Hmm. And I started picking up the phone and recruiting. And um, we made, on day 19, um, I pulled a job lead from Canada on day one, chased it up. And on day 19, I filled two roles um, for a business development director and a managing director. The briefs had been in the market for six months and not been filled. So day 19, we put um, 35 grand on the board, no overheads, wow. and we were just, just up and running. And yeah. it was... Um, it was yeah, it was really, really, really fun. Did really you have amazing. a did you have a tight restrictive covenant or not? I did, and um, my previous employer really enforced it. Like mm. I couldn't use social media, I couldn't tweet, I couldn't use LinkedIn. Um, yeah, I had really tough restrictive covenants that were very much enforced. So what yeah. was it? Just just cold calling businesses you didn't know, speaking to candidates. Yeah, well, to... what? It, yeah, it was. Um, the restrictions meant I couldn't deal with anybody who my team had dealt with in the previous twelve months. Dealt with meant worked on a job. Um, but of course, if you go, if you think about all the people you've worked with, you've got clients that you have worked with, but not in the previous 12 months. So I just had a list of people who I had worked with, but not in the previous 12 months. Mm. Um, and then a lot of new business. Yeah. And actually, restrictive covenants were good because forces I don't you think it. It, yeah, it forces you to do it and you learn new skills, which is really important. But also, the reality is, if all of my clients had come back to me on day one, we wouldn't have been able to deliver and we'd have done a really bad job. So working on new business and role by role and being selective of what we took on went 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 well. And we kind of the the plan was pretty simple. Niall did client side marketing recruitment. So he did client side marketing recruitment and I've done recruiting salespeople for technology vendors. So I did that. And then the plan was just to recreate, you know, what we'd both run previously, um, which were really aligned and slightly different. So that's what the first few years looked like. So you both had like your team leader hat on and was like, right, I'll build the team, you build the team. Yeah. And they, were they were the clients the same or completely different? The, the clients different. I was client side, so that was um, yeah, sort of brands and for mm. marketing roles. And I started out doing um, doing kind of yeah, digital sales roles for technology vendors. And then um, I had a really clear plan. We had a really clear plan for what we'd expand. And um, and yeah, we just we just went out and did that. And my, my team at Aspire. Um, was more than although I recruited to one market, I ran teams that did other things. So 
we very quickly started to hire people into those roles. So a girl called, a lady called Gemma McGeary joined me. She'd run the media agency team at Spire. So she came across to run the media agency team. And then a lot of hiring friends through, like friends of friends. Um, one of the girls on my team had gone in house at a company called Marin. And I said, who's your favorite recruiter? And she said, this guy called Joe. So she connected me with Joe and we convinced Joe to come and join. And he set up, um, another sort of, um, another sort of technology sales alongside me. So yeah, we really did follow the plan and we followed the plan very it's funny because you get we went about the speed we expected to and um probably a bit faster and we grew what we expected to but there's also things you don't expect to grow so as an example someone joined us called sam star and uh, she she joined to do tech sales recruitment and six months in just wasn't really feeling it but yeah. she was brilliant and we said um no don't, don't don't leave we're getting all these inbound grad jobs and i've done grads for the first few years of my career and she had worked at a business called the graduate recruitment bureau and we had these inbound grad jobs we said that why don't you have a crack at these we created a logo took took one of our brown colors that wasn't purple so light blue called it sphere graduate recruitment and off we went and um now that's a team which is on course to 800k this year and sam was top biller two years ago wow. um so we've had we've, we've also had the things that have grown grown organically so there's the, the planned expansion and then just the the natural expansion you know you back entrepreneurial people and you back people and we've got a really encouraging culture what um, was the I, first what would you say was the hardest thing about the first year because you've gone from working for somebody else yeah not on your own money you know the office yeah. the culture everything and then you, you you're staring at your mate in a room and what what was um, that like for you what was the hardest bit what's the hardest bit it's a good question um Getting getting started, work, working with Niall, you know, we hadn't worked together for a long time um, and we were, you know, we were going into it as partners. Um, I, I was um, always going to be in sort of the MD role and um, so getting that relationship right. But we, we've now made, a, you know, an amazing team and our friendships got stronger and stronger. But just 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 understanding our roles at the beginning as friends was, was probably um, tricky and we both had good days and bad days, so yeah. supporting each other through that. So, so think, how did you split it early on then? Because I'd, I'd say that's the one thing... You see in partnerships that they they do get wrong. They don't they don't do anything different. So they both look at finances. They both look at sales. They're both doing we, logo and marketing. And they basically everyone does everything. What, yeah, one of the good things is that I had gone to Nile with a plan and with Lawrence and um and 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 we we're very much a partnership. But from the outset, we also had a, an acknowledgement of what our roles were. So you know, Nile's a director. I was the managing director. I was yeah. going to look after finance and. Um, and 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 um and sort of the operations of the business um and 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 um and and there wasn't any of that really or much that at the beginning it's very 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 simple um so we uh so we knew that the first year and the first 18 months was about growing our teams and then we did do that and then naturally um uh the expansion plans for the bit of the business that I was going to grow initially, although we ran it, we ran it completely to get together. But the expansion plans for the bit that I was going to grow were always a bit, a bit, a bit more rapid because I had teams in mind and people in mind for those teams. So, eighteen months into the business, what we'd got was a position where I, um, I really moved into um, my fees had kind of hit hit a bit of a brick wall. First year, we absolutely caned it together. Um, but yeah, as, as my sort of um, team as a business expanded a lot i then did become very busy as the md mm. um in a more sort of natural md role and then i also within two years developed a pretty good management structure beneath me for um the teams that i previously run at sphere uh, uh, aspire sorry um so Niall and i are such great mates and we'd also had lots of clarity um 
that um, and our, our roles really balanced. So Niall was able to focus on building his area. You know, he remained our top biller until probably year five of the business. Um, and so during that first three three years to five years, our roles I know, they always just evolved naturally together. Yeah. And we were pretty we were pretty quick to hire. So um, we didn't try and do roles that weren't within our skill sets. We hired people. So marketing was hired and finance was hired. And so yeah, we we we, we were pretty ambitious with actually hiring people and managing people to, to 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 run those to run those functions um and then naturally as the business has evolved niles taken up the lead on, on on global which has just gone absolutely amazingly and he's really 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 run with that and that's been you know a sensational part of the business so okay that makes sense so but you... we so we, we, we're absolutely a partnership but we 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 we, we went in with um, structures that partnership. Yeah, so yeah it sounds like. Did you, did you come in with investment from Lawrence, or was it all self-funded? So, so, no, it was funded by me. So it's funded by me and Lawrence, no. um, and then Niall and I both didn't draw salaries um, for the first six months. But so yeah, we were fun- funded by Lawrence and I, um, and then we we managed to get the bank to give us an overdraft. Which, to be completely honest, banks don't give recruitment startups overdrafts. But um, Lawrence owns another company, and he said to them, "If you don't give an overdraft, I'll change banks." So yeah. they gave us one. Wow. Um, but we didn't we didn't touch it. We Anyone had, um, wanting to start a business and. 2020 get, get lawrence on the case he'll help you out <laughs> yeah but um no we, we just we just um the overheads are very low and we, we were both up and running and billing pretty quickly yeah what was your yeah. life like then in terms of your personal circumstances what, what were... uh so i lived with my wife carrie no kids she worked at drusilla's which is a family business a zoo um and she she worked weekends actually at, at the time so i mean life was work for seven days a week yeah yeah, yeah it really was yeah, yeah. so i met niall I met Niall, I think it was 2013, 2014, one of them. So I was a team leader going on to being a manager at Venquist and with Nicky Coffin, yeah. and Niall was in the same group as me for about a year. I remember. Yeah, so I met him once a month for a year, and I, I really got on with him. I really, I was actually really interested in what your brand was doing because I Venquist was like, it wasn't corporate in any way. It was it was small, and it was startup, and it was growing, but it was still quite structured in the way that, you know, you had to wear a suit and you had to do certain things. And then, I don't know, yeah. Niall just kind of, Everything was more creative, and I'd not really met another. I'd never seen an agency like that that I'd actually got to know. So I remember being quite interested in, and obviously in my head, even at that time, I was thinking about launching a recruitment business in the future. So yeah. I was always trying to pick his brains on stuff. I don't, I don't know if you figured that out. Um, he probably did. Yeah, he probably did. He, probably <laughs> he really did. liked. It. I remember he. Yeah, I remember he spoke about that a few weeks ago. I said I was coming on. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, you know, Niall's amazing, and he's a, he's a brilliant people person, and he really gets people. And well, I think you're about twenty. Uh, very drawn to him. I think you're about twenty staff, if I remember roughly at the time and i was, it was like year, year two to three yeah, yeah. Year, year two to three we had the emerging management team go went went on to nikki's nikki's courses and niall put his hand up and said actually he's never really had any formal management training and um he said yeah could, could, could be useful so he hopped, hopped on too so how did the trajectory of headcount grow so you said you got to 18 months to about 16 people or so Yes, we we ran a fifty. I would the first so October twenty twelve to the end of twenty thirteen. We call that year one, but that was fifteen months. Yeah. So by the end of that year, um, it was we we were we were about we were nine people uh, by the end of year one, and turned we turned over eight hundred k, and we got a really good sort of nucleus to the business. We won best newcomer at the Mara Awards, which was awesome. in our business in our business plan. Um, so please please take that one off. Um, uh, and then we took the, the decision to move out of serviced offices and into um, Kingsway, where we are now. Uh, so at the end of year one, nine people, we had some brilliant people in place and we'd really started to actually identify who could run teams. We were run as one team, um, but we'd started to see a management team emerging. So for the beginning of the second year, second full year, we'd sort of said, right, uh, I was going to work really closely with emerging managers, a guy called Joe, a guy called Matt, 
uh, guy called Ali and, and, and Gemma. Um, so we kind of said by the end of that year, we wanted them to all be in charge of teams of three people circa per yeah. person. Mm. And, I, and I was still feeling a client doing client work. Um, but it was really about passing on the baton to this emerging management team whilst now, you know, the same within his areas. Um, so at the end of year two, we'd got to 20 heads. Uh, turnover was uh, 1.6 million. Um, and we, what we had, which we were so pleased with, was um, a really sort of strong foundation of a management team, a brilliant emerging emerging group of managers. So, yeah, values and the behaviours and our ways of being were really instilled in the business. And looking back at that time, I'm, I'm, I'm crap at looking back. But um, it was amazing fun. Uh it's funny because I know that there's always something I'm stressed about and I'm worried about, and I worry about really small things that um, I'm quite, you know, yeah, I worry about things that are little uh, sometimes. But I can never remember back and think about what I was worrying about during those periods. I can only remember the fact that overall it was pretty good. So I take a lot of reassurance from that all the time now. I think, mm. no, whatever I'm worrying about, I'll be worrying about something else in you know a year's time, and, and really nothing's nothing's that big. You know, you you always get through get through these. Um, I love that. I love that. Yeah, I've never really looked at it that way, but I think there's there's a lot of truth in that. You you remember that it's like kind of rose tinted glasses mindset anyway. You always see the, yeah. <laughs> the best in the past. But I, I remember the first couple of years of Hoxo. I think there was like an exuberance high of being your own boss, and there was like this fluidity to it, and just you know, finally it's my rules. I can wear what the fuck I want. I can do what I want. And <laughs> get a tattoo. Yeah, get a fucking tattoo, whatever. But I also had this like unbelievable like realization. I think about six, seven months in that you know I'd, I'd not come from a marketing background, and I was leveraging my business partner. I was always time. fascinated by that. Yeah, sure. so it was my business partner who's no longer my business partner. It was, it was a lad who I grew up with who, who I started, yeah. me and Amma and him started the business. And um, I knew there was, I was I was in the last six months of my Venquist days, I was, I was obsessed with branding and I was just finding myself watching YouTube video and Instagram videos. And I was like, why, I don't know. I just, I just felt like there was, there was a real gap between what people were doing online and how we were working. Yeah. And, my vision was that I was going to create this uber cool like digital recruitment brand where it was all about like video content. And this was before anyone was putting out videos on LinkedIn. And yeah. it was only when I spoke to my mate and he was like, this is how I would do it. And I kind of went into research mode and I couldn't find anyone doing it. I was like, oh, maybe there's something in this. But then it's a bit like Wayne Rooney when he's 16 playing for Everton. Like there's no fear because you don't know what's ahead. And, yeah. and I think when you start a recruitment company, having been a recruiter, you kind of you know logically what's going to happen. So you probably have you, a, you probably have a bit of fear about BD. And whereas I had no fear because I was like, I ain't done this before. I don't give a fuck. I'm going. I'm just going to go. <laughs> and I was like, why not? I can do this. And for six months, that was my, my mindset every day. And then I remember that moment. Where I was like, yeah, this is going to be tough. And then <laughs> we, we got through it. But you kind of have them lulled. Did you ever have any of them moments where you were like, shit, this is hard work. This is like. You know, you something knocks you down. You're like, I feel that. Yeah, way. yeah, we 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 did. And I'm always very, I'm always very realistic on. So, um, I remember in about nine months in, we hadn't billed for four weeks, and we'd got up to about five or six people, and um, and that that was tough. But I don't. I always because the first sphere got challenging for me when the company got to about. 25 people because the beginning was really recreating what yeah, I knew yeah. and I, I had it I saw I think the first although I was you know, running the company with with, with you no know, with Nile and with the management team at that point it was um it was really recreating what I knew so and I think I followed my natural career trajectory if I'd stayed at Aspire um my role would have kept kept growing and um so yeah the first few years it was following that natural trajectory 
and just really fun. I just loved it. I really did. It was a bit like when I started in recruitment. I, I, I know, without sounding silly, I've um, I've really been lucky that I landed on a job that I massively enjoyed. The recruitment side of it initially, and then and then the people side of it, and then you know I've, I've been weirdly always interested in in, in business and, and 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 growing one. Um, and wanting it to be this really you know, inclusive thing that people do together it means a lot and where you do it to the best of your as lots of people are obsessed with like amazing teams mm. but sport so yeah but the whole sort of creation of the business i've just i've just really enjoyed where, where it got hard for me was um I te- uh, when i stopped managing a team directly so i loved billing and running a team and then when i wasn't billing with a team because the managers were then in charge of those teams. The last one, I hung on to the digital sales team, which was what I started. Um, the guy called Matt who now runs that. And I, and, and um, it, Matt would say I still get too involved and he's, he's probably right. Um, but um, when I when when I stepped out of that team, and that was the last one, I, that was about three years in, and it was the last one that I'd kind of kept a, kept, yeah. a, kept a foot in the game with, I sort of thought to myself, I didn't feel helpful to people. I actually felt like I needed to justify my job to people. So because I wasn't billing and I wasn't running a team and running any morning meetings with a team, I felt like every day I had to explain to people what I was doing. And uh, I've really missed that for a few years. I've really missed um, the distance that that creates from, from, from what you're used to. Um, and, and I wasn't, I wasn't very good at my new job of you know, managing and running the management team and managing through the management team. So it got hard for me when I had to learn to really manage through managers um, and really empower and enable them to do their roles. But understanding that really my role was to guide them and to help them um, and to enable them, but not to do, but not to do the job I'd done that I loved doing and that I was all right at. So yeah, my, my hard bit was feeling like I wasn't giving enough because I wasn't doing what I was used to doing. Yeah, you, measure, that, you measure your own productivity by what you used to yeah. do, and you feel like, am I lazy? Am I not doing enough work? I get Literally, it. Literally, yeah. yeah. So, so if, if it, it, it genuinely took me two years to actually feel comfortable in my own skin doing mm. that job, and, and now I don't feel like I need to explain to people. I did I did used to recruit and I did run teams. Like, yeah. It's pretty obvious that I'm, I'm, I'm busy, I hope. But yeah, so I lost, I lost the desire to explain that to people. So yeah, I, I always think with jobs, generally my view is you start a job with there's you no know, grad, consultant senior consultant team leader i think you start a job six months understanding what the job is six months getting good at it six months completing it and then you should be out of your comfort zone again yeah, yeah. Um, and the bigger the job gets the longer those periods are so yeah i think within sphere there's been this two-year cycle so year three to year five was me really learning how to how to run the business through a management team um and we got i got a lot of things wrong during that period um and that's where I face my most challenging moments, but weirdly, I think I might face my most challenging moments. But I don't think other people. Do. I think other people were riding the rave and having an amazing time. So the thing I had to adjust to was what I felt wasn't not was not necessarily what you know the management team felt or what the consultants felt. Um, and we were really close. You know, we were we were, we are a wee business. It's such a team effort. Um, so yeah, that was that that was a bit different. Um, so that was like years three to five was me adjusting to that job and actually everyone growing into their roles. Um, And I call that sort of 30 to 50 heads. And then the last two years, as we've grown up, um, the leadership team we've created, the next generation of managers we've created, the the new people who've joined the business, um, people at Sphere feel like they're part of the old guard quite quickly. I think we've got hopefully a really welcoming company. But all of those things have come together at once. And I really feel like we've leveled up as a business because of... um, because at every level of the business, people really are 
people really know their roles, whether it's Jamie, who's head of people, or yeah. um, you know, every, every every part of the company, people are really firing on all cylinders. So, so yeah, the hardest bit of my job, sorry for a very long answer, was not the first three years. It was when my job changed significantly and I hadn't done that job before. So That's when do you, different. at what point or trigger mark do you think a recruitment owner should be thinking about building that that support layer, the, you know, the finance, the training, the head of people, the all these different, like almost non-billing but really important role. What what's that trigger in your mind when that starts to become important? It can't just be all about a load of people billing. I think that teams for teams to expand, you need to have um, a, a billing manager, the sweet spot billing manager with four or five people, um, and for that team to expand further, the billing manager with four or five people needs to be thinking about who are my two team leaders, so that this team of four or five becomes ten to fifteen. Yeah. So. I only read. I learned about succession at Aspire um, when I when I left Aspire. I had thirteen people with no managers, and I sat on my team. And I thought, "You've not built a leadership team. Everyone's fee earning is brilliant." But I hadn't thought about. I've developed people, but I hadn't really empowered others. Mm. And I knew that that was going to be a tough next year because I hadn't built a leadership team. So when we launched Sphere, I really knew that I had to do what I'd done with Aspire, but I had to get my management team in place and really work with people on that mm. much, much, much quicker. And that's why I think we went, we went, we went so fast. Um, so yeah, I think in, 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 with, 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 with recruitment teams, really good billing managers um, who, who are continually identifying the next generation of billing managers and, and, and know where's ways and where they can grow. But when and do then, you think uh, about like a trainer and all that, and not, yeah, so, not using so, outsource? So, yeah. Yeah. So we got to 25 people and, um, FD joined at that point. It was also my little brother, Benny, who's right. game changer. He's like economics grad from Bath, much wiser than me. Uh, we met with loads of recruitment FDs and not loved them. Yeah. And then Lawrence, actually my wife, Carrie, said, what about Ben? And I was like, I really don't want to fuck up his career. I'm not immensely yeah. proud of him. He's you know, just so bright and does all these amazing things. So I sort of said to him, give it a shot. If it goes wrong, you can return to your amazing degree and qualifications. Um, and uh, and he joined them, and um, he is a game changer. Such an unsung hero because people really don't see what he's doing, but yeah. he runs the company in many, bet, many, yeah, many, yeah. in many, 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 many ways. Do you, how do you manage the relationship with being your brother in the business? I have to remember he's my brother and ask things like, um, how's your wife? Because yeah. I'm very work-focused. Uh, but yeah, also, you know, we, we, we're both very sort of straightforward people. So yeah, it's, it's, it's great. And actually what we've got with me and Ben and Niall is just unbelievable trust. Yeah. Like, there's never, yeah, yeah. I think boards can get divided and um, that must be so disruptive when, when boards don't get, when boards get divided. And we are genuinely great mates and we know that we really care about each other. We also disagree with one another and we, we challenge one another and we make decisions together. Um, but we're great mates and there's just complete trust from our friendship, Ben being my brother. There's no, yeah, I'm very fortunate and we're very fortunate that at the top there's just no no bullshit and um, and that really transcends. I think that trend, that stability transcends through the business, you know, the management team. It all feels like we've grown up together doing it, so there's just a lot of a lot of goodwill and a lot of trust um, I like it. In, in all directions. Jim. When did you start looking at the international expansion? So that happened um, That happened in 2016. When, 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 when Brexit happened, we had like a, a, a sort of an emergency board meeting. We said, what should we do? We said, don't panic. Things are going well. We, we know we're agile. We'll get through this. You know, basically do nothing business as usual. But we also said, let's let's look at the rest of the world because if the UK is fucked, we should probably look at the rest of the world. Uh, and there was a guy called JJ who's amazing and um, I felt like that he'd be really up for a new challenge. He'd been with us for a few years. 
that wasn't really um, who's caning it in his team, but I felt like he was ready for something new. So we spoke to JJ and said, "What do you think?" And he said, "Yeah, I'll give it give it a go." So international was just a bit of a one of those. Um, I mean, we started bringing existing clients around the world, and um, it went brilliantly. And then um, from London, just just incubated from, it. from London, yeah, and it still is from London. So. A year later, and I guess this is where Lawrence comes into it. We had a, we had a, a strategy day with with the first one we did with the senior management team. We've done lots of offsites. We do a lot of um, offsites with, with 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 people across the business. But this was the first one, which was like the board and the the, the management team at that time. And we had an offsite. And we spoke about things, and and, and um, we had a really good day. But afterwards, Lawrence Lawrence said to me two days later, "Can we go for a beer?" And I said, "Yeah, of course." And he said, "You've got to move some things around because international." the plan we had was that every team had perm and could do contracts and could do international if the manager wanted to, yeah. but it's just very bitty and not, you know, we know really, we talk about so much about focus and people having simple you know, simplicity and focus. Um, and, and we didn't have that. So we sort of looked at it and we said, um, we need to bring contract together and we put that under Gemma and we said, we needed to bring international together. And naturally that was, perfect for, for, for Niall and he was really really up for it we said together it would be, be, be great great route forwards um, and we'd also hired someone called Rob uh, to report to Niall already at that point to run part of Niall's team so Niall's succession at that point was was, 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 was good um, so so yes yeah, so we made a decision in 2017 a year after international launch to put contract under Gemma and to put international under Niall and we really wanted to focus on our grad business as well because we knew that could grow and if we look back to last year, uh, fastest three growing teams were contract grads and international, and collectively they represented about 35% of our revenue. So in two years, these areas that weren't really, they were, we had people, but we didn't have a plan. Mm. Just that very simple decision of creating the right structure around it, um, it's, they've really exploded. And, and now we can see in all those areas, you know, how they're really going to go and become standalone businesses and standalone P&Ls. But I'm sorry, I feel like I didn't answer a question from ages ago. Um, internal recruitment. Uh, we brought someone in when we got to about 25 people and um, and we actually had someone who was going to leave called Jamie, but we didn't want her to leave, so we moved into the role. So it was a bit built around her. And then she's grown into tra our training manager. Mm. Um, and I think that, yes, yeah, 25 to 30 people, internal recruitment and training managers is, is, is needed, would be my, my view, because the managers are very stretched. If you've got managers onboarding new people all the time and fee earning yeah they've just got no time so i think take, taking heat off fee earning managers is um is yeah really makes important. sense the one i mean i remember seeing your talk at the trn um yeah. huddle i don't know if it was a was it a retreat or a huddle i can't remember it was yeah yeah a massive yeah. group um and it was awesome and i remember a lot of it was about how you've got the culture right and now you're building the team and what i guess what do you look for in in people and what's the dna that you're trying to create as part oh. of sphere? <laughs> Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, first of all, we get people to meet with a number of different people at interview stage and also um, not together. Because I think if people interview together, you get a bit of group think. So we try and have separate things. But what do I look for? I look for people that want to do something with their life. Um, I really, uh, people who really want to do something with their life because I just remember that that's what I wanted to do. I don't, I don't know why, but for me, I really wanted to do something in my life. And you know, in a recruitment environment, that's linked to you know, career progression, obviously the, you know, the, the rewards that come from it. But we like people who, who really want to be there, you know, do their best work um, and, and who really want to do, to do something with their lives. Um, and then also I look for patience, people who are humble. Um, the job is, the job is not easy because it takes time to really master it. It's, it's easy on paper. Um, but to do it well, you've got to be, 
you've got to be in it for the long haul and, and be okay with things taking a bit of time. Now, we're a really patient business with people because um, we trust that great people become great. And um, so I, I look for people who are realistic and, and um, yeah, humble and will, will kind of stick at it and, and are really determined to do things to do things well. Um, we talk a lot about you know, simplicity and building habits and um, you know, having ways of being. And we know that if if we can, as a, I, um, I think that what we do is really meaningful and uh, we really want to create a culture where we give so much to our people, but in return for that, the company gives so much to one another and our clients. Yeah. So yeah, we it, I, I, I I waffle on, but um, but yeah, we, I look for people who are humble, hardworking, and who really want to do something for their lives. Yeah, that makes and, sense. And and um, yeah, and then in terms of building the culture, it's been about structure, clarity, transparency. Um, people like certainty. You know, people know what what if people have got not rules in a restrictive way, but if people have clarity, then they know what to do. So I think if you give people lots of clarity coupled with lots of freedom, that's where you get this brilliant mix of... How do you balance in the freedom? Like what freedom would you have you give people at Sphere? Um, I think people probably want a bit more. <laughs> uh, we do have flexible... We, we moved to flexible working hours about two years ago, so that was good. Um, is, that, is that like what? 8 till 5, 8.30 till 5, sorry, 8 till 5, 8.30 till 5.30 nine till six but you don't need to tell your manager what you're doing or when you're doing it you just you know be in between those hours um and then working from home yes uh people can work from home it does tend to come in after people are associated so so grads know unless there's like we if someone needs to meet sky tv or meet a bt engineer or go to the doctors absolutely work from home but in terms of i'm working from home just because i want to work from home that comes in at kind of like senior consultant level um it's actually we've just did an employee engagement survey and still the thing that we're not clear enough on so we need to get better at when people can work from home the reason why we have encouraged it, but where there's been a slight reluctance is we've been so much about the team and working together in this sense of kind of you know, the enjoyment of being and doing it together that we've been mindful as a you know, as a management team that if we've got our best people not around, uh, what impact does that have on, on, you know, on the team? But the biggest thing I've taken from the coronavirus so far is a how brilliant everyone is which already knew but um, also just how, how, how easy it's been to work from home. So one of the things that will definitely come from this as a result of um, the coronavirus for us is we, we, we will be much more embracing of of real, real, genuine flexibility. So that, all right, let's, I want to move into that in a minute, but let, let's get to where you've been in like pre-corona. Imagine just before, like the year before, yeah. how, where, where, what sort of shape was your business in, size, where were you at? Brilliant, best ever year. Um, reason it's been so good was, um, I think it was a two-year journey to get from 50 to circa 40, 45, 65 heads. Uh What's been so good is having an amazing leadership team that work together to run the company, supported by an amazing management team who are phenomenal fee earners, supported by just brilliant strength and depth. You, you know, um, what, we, what we've what we had over last year, which is really important because we want Sphere to grow because if a company grows, there's roles for people to grow into. So we're never going to be sort of business that stands still and just is happy with where we are because I think that good people will move on at that point. And, 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 you know, I've got no plans to sell. We don't, it's not about profit. We just want to grow this phenomenal business. And that's all about, you know, the roles that other people play. But, but what really came together last year was, um, was by working with the business together the way we have done at every level, you know, we had the best group of associate consultants coming through the business, um, an amazing group of senior consultants coming through the business. So there's that just 
step by step progress just throughout the organisation. So what that what that meant for us was twenty five percent increase in in, in, in revenue. Wow. Um, Profitability the same because we've invested so much in people, uh, but we've just taken a lease on a new office with, with space for 100 people to expand into. Um, we opened a Manchester office last year, um, which has been going very well. Coronavirus has had no, a, a big impact there. Um, and, um, uh, and and then, and then the international part of the business has been going great guns. So where we were at to now was 65 heads, but we could really see 100. So I think yeah. when we were sort of 45 people, it was hard to see 65, but at 65, we could see 100. We could see us getting there. Why really Manchester? Pretty... Why did you decide to go? Uh, we had a brilliant person called Charlotte who worked for us and who um, had always said she was going to move back to Manchester. Mm. So um, uh, she actually said it in about the second week of joining the business as a graduate. She was like, I want to move home. I was like, great. Thanks for telling me that two weeks in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so... She gave us a year's notice that she was going to leave. So a year's notice was like amazing. Um, and that gave us just to get to get on and do it. And, and a lot of our clients were up there. So it was built around yeah. having the right having the right person and having having the customers up there as well. And in, look, if you're looking at current times now, it wouldn't make much difference anyway. I've, I've even, look, if I wasn't married to a woman from London, I think to me that I'd probably go back. Like Manchester's where my family are and all my mates I grew up with. But And now I'm like, I could easily just do a couple of days in London and go back. Like, it wouldn't even bother me. It's an amazing um, city as yeah, well. It's a brilliant but, city. But uh, with Corona, you're like, well, you could be based in Germany and do the job. It doesn't. Make, it makes no difference right now. We could totally, I did think, think to myself, like, would, would, would we remotely onboard people in just other parts of the UK, remotely train them? Why not? Like, like, well, well, let's get on to it then. So when I, I, I was recording the uh, physical episodes of The Rag about, what, four, three, four weeks ago now. It was early mid-March when I remember I did two back-to-back and the news just started really hitting. I remember I went to meet um, Tom Glamfield in, in central London after after we recorded the yeah. rag. We went for lunch in the in the Ned and the Ned was buzzing, but outside was empty. There was no one in Bank Station. It was about three o'clock on a Tuesday and I was like, this feels weird. But I'd yeah, still, I still not, I still didn't think it was at this, the level it was going to be like. Within 24, 48 hours, it was when it just kicked off. So what was it like when you for you and your business when it all started to accelerate that week? Uh, it was really tough. Um, I'd, I'd been in Dubai two weeks beforehand. It's the first time I've ever taken a holiday in Q1. I've got quite strict discipline around when I let myself go yeah, on holiday. Yeah. I took the first one ever in Q1. I sat in Dubai and I felt sick in the pit of my stomach um, for the last few days just watching what was happening in Italy. And I was doing my wife's head and saying, this is going to be really big. And she was saying, oh, you know, stop catastrophizing. No, it won't. But I got back and the first thing that I did was grab Ben and Nan and say, coronavirus, what's the plan? So um, we knew it was coming. We didn't want to cause panic. We did speak to the management team about it. Most people were kind of like, yeah, we're aware of it, but it's probably not going to be, you know, I'm sure it's not going to be that bad. Um, our clients are businesses like the big media agencies um, and technology vendors are very socially conscious and they're very digitally savvy and they're very, um, yeah, they're, they're very modern businesses. So um, they had already most of them moved to working from home. Mm. Um, so we'd really seen um, the need to work from home coming in pretty quickly. So we got as far as saying as a business, and these were, these were, these were difficult decisions. We basically said, Whatever the government advises to do, we will do because we can't go with what the Mail Online saying or what the Guardian saying or what Twitter saying. Like we, we simply have to align our policies to what the government says. So if the government says work from home or work from home, if they don't, we won't. So I think the company was probably a little bit split with lots of people really not wanting to work from home because they're nervous about it. A couple of a number of people that felt like we should work from home. And my view on that was just we just we'll follow the government advice because it's 
the only responsible thing we can do is take you know take that advice yeah but we said we'd have a practice work from home day we trained everyone on microsoft teams which is technology we had but didn't use which yeah. is mad yeah. um yeah yeah um so fortunately just before everyone went to work from home we'd rolled out teams training everyone had got headsets i've got one now um so we've got kind of ready to um to um yeah to, to, to work from home and uh on the Monday we came in, we were having a management meeting in the evening talking about the decisions we were sticking to. We were talking about things like we were going to stop you know, unnecessary spend. We were going to um, postpone uh, this year's holiday club to a later date because it wasn't right to be flying to Ibiza in May, all that sort of jazz. Um, so I was about to do a presentation to the company saying that these, these are the actions we're taking. And then um, we saw Boris announce work from home. So we're like, right, let's do it. So I, we came in in the morning. I did. We said to people, if you want to work from home, you can work from home. Don't come in. If you want to come in to see your manager, because you're feeling nervous before you start working from home, come in. And if you need to get your laptop and stuff, come in. So that, that Tuesday, we probably had about 90% of people come in, I think just for the reassurance of seeing everyone before they went home. Mm. And then and, and then we moved to work from home. And then, we, we you know, me and Niall and Ben met on the Wednesday for, for a board meeting very quickly. And um, and obviously Lawrence dialed in and we, we, we took pretty quick action. Um, I, I always knew that I would have to run, uh, we would have to run the business through a recession. Um, it's, the least, no, you just not said, you know, you know, you have to run your business through tough times and you just don't look forward to it. But, um, no, yeah, we, we were, we were confident and ready to make decisions that would enable us to, to keep moving forward, to protect people and, and, and to keep thriving. And I'm always just a big believer in being honest. So what did um, you do? We let, we let, we let, um, we let, uh, about 10 people go that week. Um, and that was a combination of, not wanting to carry people who were not making revenue yet, uh, not wanting managers to be spending time with new people because we knew that job flow was going to be tough to come by and uh, managers managing new people remotely just felt like a you know, completely uh, irresponsible way to ask people to work. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and we knew we needed to get costs down so that we could um, preserve cash so we could keep our plans in check yeah. Um, so yeah, we very we made that decision really quickly. It was quite interesting. So I watched your podcast with Greg Savage, and the week after that, and he sort of said, "No, sixty percent of recruitment companies went bust in two thousand and eight, and you've just got to take action." Um, but we, 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 you know, we, we were always going to yeah. do that. Um, How did you communicate it though? Was it you personally, or that, did you get that, your team? That was really, that harder, was really hard because we were we were working from home, so yeah, the rollout was really difficult. So um, me and Niall and Ben and Jamie, um, we spoke to the leadership team. The Thursday night, um, we then spoke to managers who would be losing people on the Friday morning, and then we spoke to people who were moving on on the on the Friday afternoon between two and three. And me and Niall and Ben and Jamie, Jamie's head of people, um, called people. We did it where we felt like, you know, uh, we were the person who was most close to them and most responsible for having that conversation. Um, some of the managers actually phoned people directly themselves because they wanted to. Some didn't. Yeah. We, we let them make that decision. Um, and then, and then I did a presentation to the company, and then, and then managers then called around their teams, the people who didn't know what would happen, and let them know what happened. And then I did a presentation to the company, and it was a bit of a, you know, shit's got real this week. But um, what I really wanted to convey was that it was a decision that we took because it would be irresponsible not to take it, and it's for the good of the business. Now, it's really personally sad for some individuals, but um, we have to make decisions. I have to make decisions. You know, yeah. The buck stops for me that, that, that's for the good of the business, and we'll always take those because we'll we'll keep putting people in the business in it first. Um, fortunately, that night, or unfortunately that night, the government announced their furlough scheme. Um, so 
the good thing about that was that we were able to retrospectively furlough the people who we let go. Um, And that was really great because um, on a human level, it means they're being paid. We'd actually said to a number of those people, um, we really don't want you to leave, uh, especially some of the newer starters who were part of our graduate intake in October. And and, and we didn't want to say, please wait for us to be able to rehire you because that's pretty arrogant in the same moment of letting someone go. But we really did say, um, we're doing this because of the market, not because of your performance. Um, so because none of those people have retrospectively furloughed, we've got the benefit of looking at the business in two months' time and hopefully bringing, you know, bringing some of them back into the business. Yeah. So sure. we made that decision. That's the big, that's like the big defensive mode, isn't it? What, did you make any other changes from a cost or? We did, yeah. We you did. said you just um, signed an office as well. We have, yeah. So a few weeks before that, we'd signed on a, 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 on a new office, which is a five year five year deal, oh, wow. and, um, and and we'll be good in the medium term. And I think that'll give people a nice a nice fresh start when we reform. But yeah. it's obviously a big 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 commitment too. Um, have you managed to so, get yeah, anything on the lease, like any discount? We've got fifteen months rent free. Right, yeah, okay. so it's, it's a weird thing actually. It's hard to explain to people. It, the office is much more expensive, but for the first fifteen months you don't pay rent, so it's much more expensive over five years. But it's not actually much more expensive until so fifteen you should, months time. You should be out of this by the time you're paying rent anyway so you absolutely and from a cash position because not paying rent for 12 months is actually better for cash flow so you you were the you were the brain box that knew what to do (laughs) so it's been all right but you know we've got and we've got you know and it it will be great and i think people are really looking forward to it but we felt like we've kind of outgrown our space and we um i think it's i don't know it's a it's a big feels like a big step forward and a big thank you and a big well done to everyone for what we've all put in um you know over the last seven years and people's time in the business. So we did, we then, we then, we then had another board meeting. We looked at how else we could reduce our costs. So we, um, we spoke about furlough and just, again, there's a level of job flow in the business that we have. Um, and we didn't need the headcount that we've, that we've got. And there's only so much revenue that we can make right now. So it was a case of looking to reduce our costs, couple of making fees where we can. And then also with furlough, we just knew that naturally people were going to be finding this period difficult. So as opposed to telling people they had to take furlough, we just thought, let's just give people the opportunity to take it um, in a really empowering way and say, if you're know if you working at home with kids or if you're in a flat share in London or if you want to volunteer for the NHS or if you've been doing this nonstop for 10 years and you think an eight-week breather whilst the market's crap is a, is a good thing to do, then, um, then, then we'd really appreciate it because it really helps us reduce our costs. So... We said no less than 12 people and no more than 16. And we had 16 volunteers on the nose. We've guaranteed everybody's jobs who's on furlough. I mean, they're, they're in the business in exactly the same way that our I know, people who are recruiting today are. It's just there's these two roles to pay. One is, one is you know, frontline in the trenches, clients, candidates and fees. And the other is, you know, taking, taking a pause um, to help us to conserve some cash. Yeah. So they're, they're, uh, we also then asked people to take a, a 15% pay cut for, for three months, which we will... Um, in, you know, endeavour to pay back by the end of the year um, and the support we've had from the business has been amazing simultaneously we, we went threshold free so um, there's no the commission structure is always paid on everything but there is a threshold but we've gone threshold yeah. free on bonus and we, we, we're looking at um, I didn't roll this out last week so I didn't want to be too confusing but we're really focusing now on how we when we're back in the office when the market picks up how we keep we know how we keep the business on track. We know that all of our plans are going to be intact, but we want to make sure that people's years end up in a good place. So we'll be revising down all of our targets for promotion. Um, we've got we've we've got that laid out already. We're just not communicating it just now because it's you know, we don't need, we, we can wait for a few months. But well, we, we're looking at how we really, really, really re-engage and reward people. I like that. Um, yeah, very, so, yeah, it, we, very innovative. What 
well, yeah, um, done, done, done the tough stuff coupled with the coupled with the you know we wanted to be a meritocracy and for people to, to to be able to keep moving forward there's also the reality of the fact that you know, it's shit for everyone and everyone's working harder for for half the out, outcomes well, sorry to talk so much Sean, but I, I think I, going back to 2008 my market died and and you know i'd have been billing 250k a year um running a team so you know good 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 salary and at the time i know i'd been shitting myself about paying my mortgage and my life stopping and feeling like my career was going to end um and I know that's what people will be feeling now. But actually, if I look back at that 12 months of, you know, a really deep recession, I can't remember the money. I, I could tell you how much I went from earning to earnings. I'm obsessed with numbers um, and it was half. Um, but I don't remember anything to do with earning less money and that meaning anything to me. I don't remember anything to do, you know, billing less. All I can remember is all this cool stuff I learned about how to run teams and work with people. Mm. And, and actually, 2008, I can't remember any form of, crapness about it it was just another year of my life so yeah, yeah. what i really know with sphere is for everyone in the business we might not feel it now but when we look back in 10 years we won't remember i don't know i don't know if everyone's a bit different but i don't think we'll look back and remember any sense of deep pain or anguish about this moment unless we lose you know a loved one to, to the coronavirus i think people will just remember it as a time when they build resilience and learn a hell of a lot and, yeah. and smart people will use that really well in the rest of their careers so how did um how did your clients react what was the job flow changes and what what, what did you see across eight, the business? Eight, 85 jobs a week down to 22 weeks ago or 20 the first week from home 20 the second week from home 20 last week 10 and this week we've loaded four so we're talking about you know a 75 percent decrease in job flow yeah yeah so no you can't hide from that no is there certain parts of the market that you're working with that are propping you up or certain clients yeah. that are protected certain clients that are propping us up absolutely yeah. and um and one of the good things about sphere is um why we've got so much room for growth is we're very niche and specialist but we've also got you know one person or two people on marketing international in europe two people on tech sales north america so we've actually got lots of teams which was quite easy to right size because there's so much expansion into those markets so we've had to do right sizing in some markets particular um but they'll also be the first to come flying back again mm. uh, but yeah so some areas have have, 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 have been better than others generally speaking our markets are driven a lot of our markets are driven by brands spend money on advertising um which means that those companies are hiring marketing talent and data trap like data people um the agencies who do the marketing for those brands are very busy because they've got money and the technology that makes the advertising work has got money because everyone's spending so when the brands stop spending the markets stop so yeah. we need consumer spending to return when consumer spending returns everything yeah. everything kicks off again so what um, what are you actually doing on a day-to-day -day as, a, as a group now to make the most of this and to, to A, be busy and B, try and generate revenue? Yeah, so um, really simple plans. I think a um, big believer in purpose. It's very easy right now for people to feel lost and overwhelmed. So like absolute simplicity. So, you know, phone key accounts, phone tier one accounts, phone place candidates, phone everyone that had an interview in the last two years, um, phone other teams, clients. So really, really, really basic um, actions and then lots of celebration around those actions um but trying to simplify trying to simplify things focusing on actions and not on results um trying to really re-engage with customers and just actually just speak to them find out where their business is at what the impact is and and and, and not talk about are you hiring but get close to them in the way that we've we've kind of always done um and then we're getting all over every single job that we've got and actually the really cool thing for sphere and why i feel so positive about the situation although it's going to be you know we're going to lose a lot as a company our plan is to actually lose shit loads of money over the next five 
to six months, but we've been really responsibly run. The directors have left money in the business. Sorry, my daughter's coming in. Um, um, we've been really responsibly run. That we've left money in the business um, for, for, for growth, um, and we're really comfortable. We, we would rather lose a lot of money over the next five or six months and protect people and protect what we built than, than than have to go through the horrible process of unbuilding stuff. So we're geared up to you know, to lose a lot of money, but on the basis that sphere remains the same and it, and and, that, and that's what i that's what i know will happen uh, but yeah so it's not new we've been pretty well drilled already and we've got really good values that that we genuinely live so i think it's been a big ad- adaptation but in terms of how we do it we've just been reinforcing what we already do mm. so it's, I'm not, it's been really hard for everyone um but in terms of the how it's like we've got this we know what to do we know how to do it we're brilliant at this so Let's just adapt a little bit and do it. And then just actually lots of understanding with people and reassuring them that, you know, the results they're getting are okay and not to expect to be doing the numbers they're doing. So, yeah, trying to be really, really ambitious coupled with giving people a lot of reassurance. And then and then actually just getting back to the business with clarity. So just resetting what, what good looks like. So it used to be 150 grand a week. It's now 50 grand a week. And if it's 50 grand a week for the next three months, we've set ourselves up to run at that level and we can we can afford to and, and, and we won't make changes beyond that because what, that's that's our plan what's your um your strategy for communicating across the business now like how are you personally getting your message out there uh i'm doing work i've just this week i've just started doing workshops every day just to try and kind of keep that learning going I've, we've stuck to every meeting we usually had so like end of weeks managers meetings we, we've generally just stuck to the same meetings we've got i then personally am speaking to the leadership team every night we speak at six and then we've kind of left teams to, to work out themselves. I must admit, communicating with the business I'm finding quite hard. I don't know if I'm doing a very good job at it. I do the end of week meetings and I kind of usually in a room having a beer talking to everyone and I'm doing it over video call. And so you, you, don't, you, don't, you can't read the room or get that sort yeah. of emotional engagement with people that you, when you're presenting, you, know, it's, you are under pressure. So I don't know how I'm doing with that. We did the end of month on Monday and that's, you know, um, end of quarter actually so we did the end of quarter meeting and that that was a, a presentation of me looking at a slide sharing show yeah. talking to the company so doing that without the laughs because everyone's on mute and the shout outs and the, the things you usually get um, I came off the call and I thought I hope people actually enjoyed that and it was meaningful and they and they got something from it um, yeah. but yeah I just, I, we just everyone's just learning I think I think what everyone in the company is doing is everyone's really doing their best and I think we're really accepting that everyone's everyone's doing their best and that's that's the best we can do at the moment i love it you know what you you're giving me a a kind of confidence in the way that you're approaching this in in that it's not doom and gloom like you're accepting what's going on but you kind of i feel like you're you're just digging in to 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 be back bigger and better than where you were so that leads me into the next the final question i suppose is what what is the future for you now i suppose we've all had to shift shift and shape in two three weeks and for however what do you think is going to happen within corona what's your personal opinion on the future and then where does that leave the future for sphere yeah so corona i think we've i've organized it into the short term the next eight weeks the shortish term q3 july august and september and we're calling it the medium term but it's not really in the grand scheme of things it's q4 and that is still the short term um so shortish term really fucking hard um but we can do really meaningful work that's the next eight weeks uh q3 i think there'll be some level of normality and spend will go up and we can start to stabilize and then q4 which is still the short term but we're calling it the medium term internally um i think we'll be approaching our usual levels again um and then what i hope that means is that by this time next year we are where we were a month ago. 
in an amazing place. Looking forward to expanding in a really, you know, we talk about, we, we've grown quite a lot and I can sound quite gung-ho, but we, we kind of are and we aren't. So we, we, we grow around people and customers where we've got amazing people uh, who will develop amazing relationships with customers. We, we, we grow around people and customers and start you know, our obsession, although we're very customer centric, we're actually just very people centric because if we get the people bit right, the customer bit looks after itself. So yeah, in a year's time, exactly as we were, but in a brilliant new office with um, a much more experienced team and a team are much better for it, starting with me and you know, for everyone in the business. Um, but right now, businesses need to be really realistic. You have to focus on survival first. You can't let the next eight weeks or six months put you fundamentally put you out of business or put you in a position where you have to go and rebuild everything. So part what we have to do at Sphere to keep on track is is we have to make quick, decisive decisions um, so that we are able to come through it in the way yeah. that we intend to do it. And that's just what you look at every good company out there is doing. Yeah. It's, it's not like... I'd have loved to have said to everyone, the coronavirus is going to be absolutely fine and nothing's going to change and we'll just ride this out. But that's just, that's just not, that's just not true. Um, so yes, yeah, so we, we've had to take quick, decisive action. Um, but because that's part one of the plan of in a year's time, everyone absolutely before then, but from a, um, no, my role is obviously looking at the whole company for the whole company, um, absolutely back on track, um, in a year's time and, and all, all, all plans intact. But we think we'll be starting that all plans intact journey from July. You know, the whole business will be back together again. Everyone's going to be in the same role and we're going to be we're going to be smashing out again. And I think for consultants in the business, they can be back on track again as soon as they've got job flow. So how do you think the your business will will evolve after a period of working remotely? Will you change the way or are you excited to go back to normal and get back to the way you always work? That is a really good question. I am excited to change a little bit, actually, because I think that we can really improve. But um, it's funny because everyone's different and we really celebrate different. So um, some of our managers are like, I just want to be in the office, I just want to be with the team, I never want to work from home ever again. And I thought a lot of people were thinking, I really like this working from home. So what we'll do as ever is we'll listen to the business and we'll strike up some balance. Yeah. Um, and, and we let teams, we have to have a, the problem with us with working from home is we kind of said teams can decide, but different teams do different things. Then you're not clear as a business. So the size we are now, we do have to have a company policy that everyone sticks to. But yeah, we, we will definitely work more remotely. I've also been a reluctant, you, you'll probably kill me with this, Sean, but I've been a reluctant adopter of things like, um, you know, the video tech available in recruitment because I'm quite old school in terms of if we do these things well, we'll, we'll, no, we'll do well. But we definitely will have like a brilliant video conferencing room and really polished video as a platform not this month because we're not going to invest in that now, but I, I really appreciate the need to shift our online presence up a gear with how we use video because we want to be the best recruitment company out there as an online experience. I'm, we're not going to go and be an online business. We're going to be a recruitment company and we're going to work from an office. We're not going to have a company of remote workers, but um, yeah, we want to, I want us to look absolutely fucking brilliant in a, in, in, a, in an online world because Recruitment after this is going to really change video interviews, video onboarding, remote workforces. Um, that's going to be very different, I think. So we need to really get. We're probably not ahead of the game. We need to catch up and then get get in front of that. Of that. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. What? Um. Long term. What's the vision? Is it big grand sale option or is it keep hold of it and pass it on to your son or your daughter who's going to be a recruiter? <laughs> yeah, it's keeping the family. So, uh, my dream is. Um, me and Niall and everyone involved, we're still really young and we're still full of energy. So we want to keep, I want to keep growing until I'm not the right person to do it. Um, so uh, I don't know when that is, but we will, we want to expand and we want to expand um, 
globally. We want to expand in contract. We want to expand in all of our teams in London. And of course, we keep an eye on EBIT. So I always said before we started Sphere, 200 people, 20 million in turnover, two to three million in EBIT. And I, and I would have got to about where I, where I, where, where I could see myself getting to. Um, so we're really focused on getting to that level. And then you just look around the room and you think, you know, how, how much further do we want to keep going? Lawrence, my non-exec, I remember asking him a question over lunch once, pre-Sphere. We just used to go out and get pissed every every three months in London. Um, I remember saying to him, what stops recruitment companies growing? And he said, the ambition of the owner, there comes a point where you just don't want to go any further hmm. and, and, and and that stops you and, 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 and you don't know when that point is. But for him, he his company was about... 200 to 250 people i think he went on a family holiday realized he wasn't spending any time with his family and said to his wife i'm gonna sell and he went back to the business and said to the management team um right you can buy this from me i'm giving you a year if you don't buy it in a year then i'll go to market and a year later he sold it to the management team my, my, my biggest dream would be to sell the business via a management buyout i would love to see the people who built the business acquire the business and take it forward and i truly believe that they would take it further than me, Nile, and Ben have because they just bring fresh impetus. So yeah, if I looked like the long-term dream, um, I do know there's a day when I want to do something different. I don't know when that will be, but it would be amazing to see the business buy the business via some form of MBO and for those whoever, whoever's part of that to go and take it into you know, greater heights than, than, than we have. I love it. I love it. I think one final, well, this is the final question. It would be, <laughs> you know, a lot of my audience are smaller recruitment agencies, typically, you know, the guys who have just started in the last couple of years, or they, they might not even have, there's, there's a lot out there that I get messages from that haven't even launched yet and they're about to start their business. And yeah. I guess, Let's take someone who did start, like one of my friends who I know quite personally started his business, I think February. And yeah, I mean, that's fuck. fucking time to do it. So what what words of, of advice, wisdom, whatever have you got for those people that are a lot smaller, probably haven't got the overheads, but also haven't got the necessarily the confidence or experience of being through eight, ten years of business ownership? What would you say yeah. to them? First of all, I really please use those two words because um, what I would say one of my biggest sphere, sphere learning points is the confidence and experience matter so much. So mm. the same person with confidence and without confidence is completely different. Three weeks ago, if you spoke to me, I wouldn't have been able to do this. I'd have been just too freaking out about about what was happening around me. So um, yeah, confidence it means everything, and then so does experience. But um, experience is greatly underrated. The more we've done something, the better we get at it and we learn from it. So those two things do matter a lot. Um, the thing that I would say is it's really important as a business owner to know what you want. And what I mean by that is I think as a world, we all spend a lot of time thinking about what other people think of us and what other people think we should be doing. And when you're in charge of a company um, and indeed your life, I think what's really important is to know what do you actually want? So you know, I really wanted to grow Sphere and to run a business that was all about growth and expansion and um, and and people. And you know, I loved this. I loved the growing growing of people and enabling of people. And and you know, but if you don't really like that, then don't worry about it. So the thing I would say is just search into your soul and on the back of a fag packet planning, just write what you want your company to be and do that because if if you're trying to do something that you don't actually really want to do you'll never feel great about yourself and you'll never go out there and do it no. so i just think that people i'm a big believer in personal choice so i just think people should try to connect with what they want to do because when people know what they want to do the doing of it 
you know, when you're on the right path is, 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 is easy. It's always going to be hard, but if what you're doing is what you want to do, you'll always come back to this is what I want to do. Another very small example. So I know I, I talk a lot, but when I um, was in recruitment for the first four years, whenever I was having a bad week, I always used to say to myself, fuck this, I'm going to go and be a lawyer. Because if I'm a lawyer, I get paid for every hour I worked. Yeah. And I didn't work very hard at school, but if I did, I'm sure I could be a lawyer. So uh, every time I was having a bad day, that's what you say. And then I used to laugh at myself and think, no, you're not going to quit your job and go and retrain as a lawyer. And then when I had tough times with Sphere, I'd always say, right, that's it, just sell up or you know, give it to someone else and go and, go, you know, go and live on an island and do recruitment from an island. And I, I always sort of challenge myself with these things that I'm never going to do to remind myself that actually I'm doing the right thing. Do what you um, want to do. With all, yes, yeah, so long answer, but um, keep it simple and focus on what they want to do and remember that um, – if you're doing what you want to do, you will do it. You'll generally do it quite well, and it will all be all right. It, it, it is always all right. You'll get through it. Yeah, I think I think that's the key message I've picked up, especially with all the you know David Higgins and Kevin Green and all these wicked people. Even Barry Cullen, who interestingly said he was a lawyer and he decided to be contingent based on what recruiters do, so he didn't want to get paid for every hour. He wanted to. He wanted to mirror <laughs> Give me the his market. number. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get all get, get all the Barry Cullen backdoor Barry. Um, no, I've seen him on. I saw him on LinkedIn just the first time yeah, a few weeks ago. Well, yeah. After this as well, the amount of jobs we've had put on hold. There's yeah, going to be well, today, amount The day we're recording this is the day I, I released the episode. So he's on. Yeah. He's on the iTunes store with me now. Um, but. I do believe that. Like now's now is better time than ever to sit and take stock, think about what you truly want from life, document it, and then go for it. And I think my personal view is, you know, recruitment businesses will need to evolve. They will yes. need to evolve, but that's not a bad thing. A lot of a lot have needed it for a long time. They've needed that shake up, providing they they get the shape in place and the, the you know the protection in place to survive this, which is. Part of the reason I've done the RAG report because I just want to give people as much value to try and help everyone get through it. I want, I don't want the business owners, PAYA deferrals, VAT deferrals. Um, If you can get a loan, get one. Just, 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 it's all about controlling costs and conserving cash to get through it so you can come out. Get through it. If we can get through it, then, you know, the shake up of, of the way we work and the evolution of products and tech. That ain't a bad thing. It's going to be a good thing. Um, yeah, but look, change, Ed, change, change is good. Yeah. Ed, thank you so much. It's, thank you, know, you Sean. You're, uh, you're a busy chap, and uh, I'm, I'm delighted we finally got this in the diary. Um, one, what If anyone does want to reach out after listening to this, um, this will be going out in two weeks from the today we're recording it. Yeah. Um, around two weeks, anyway. What um, Are you open to a chat? Anyone wants to reach out, ask Ooh, advice? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is LinkedIn yeah. the best place to get you? Because you, you, no, not LinkedIn. My email. Every, I don't. Everything on my life is my Sphere email, which right. I'll give now. It's Ed E D at Sphere London S P H E R E London um, dot co dot uk. Right. Any, any, I respond to every email. So yeah, All good right. on email. Crap well, on I'll tag. Gets. I'll make sure in the content that we tag that as well. Um, All right. But look, thank you so much, and guys, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed um, the the first virtual episode of the rag podcast not the rag report um, where we talk about stories of growth from recruitment owners that have been through um they've already trodden the path of growth to to give you the confidence and the stories to help you get there um i don't ask for any fees to listen to my show but i do ask for one thing and that's that you share this podcast you share it with your friends your colleagues your boss even even right now share it with your competitors because you know what we all need to come through this as, as an industry if we share and we collaborate we'll be a lot stronger um, if you're listening to us on the iTunes store as well please do get on there and give us your rating give us a five star um, because it allows <laughs> the big boys at Apple to share us and get us out to even more recruiters which is what we want um, I'll be back again next week with another story of growth in the meantime stay safe and I'll see you soon this podcast was brought to you by Hoxo Media 
We are the number one inbound marketing agency exclusively operating within the recruitment industry globally. Our mission is to connect the sales and marketing departments of recruitment companies around the world. And we do that through adopting a methodology all around inbound marketing, getting your target customers, whether that be candidates or clients, to come to you, which has notoriously not been something recruiters have found very, very easy in the past. Um, We're working with businesses around the world, and if you are interested in finding out how we can help your recruitment business, then get in touch today with me, Sean Anderson, and you can DM me on Instagram, you can DM me on LinkedIn, or you can email sean at hoxomedia.com. We'd be happy and delighted to have a chat about your agency and see if we can help.